Welcome to the Five Acres Podcast, the first in-house agency-produced program designed to provide inspiration, motivation, and concrete action steps for families struggling with issues related to adoption, residential care, and mental health. I'm Adam Hain, trainer of evidence-based practices here at Five Acres, joined by Brandon Ito, the Associate Director of Development, and Jake Cashill, Director of Facilities. We're the team who are going to introduce you to the wonderful and talented clinicians, residential treatment counselors, therapeutic behavioral specialists, case managers, adoption service specialists, and the many other staff members who work tirelessly to help our clients resolve issues involving mental health, foster care, adoption, and sometimes all three at the same time here at Five Acres. So uh, tell us, I know that your journey actually started prior to coming to Five Acres. Um, you actually adopted two kids before we even met. So tell us about a little bit about what that journey was like. Any so, mini-micro and who gets to talk <laughs> first, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, we have um, Cameron and Jasmine, and we adopted them. They are my uh, biological niece and nephew. We adopted them in um, 2012, but we got them in October of 2009. So were you expecting it? No. In your lives at that time that 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 kind of fell on your laps? No, no, it was a it was a Thursday mid-morning and I got a call from uh, the local police department saying that they had arrested my brother and his wife and they had taken custody of the two kids um, and would we be willing to come down to the police station and bring them into our home. And that, that phone call, not only was it a surprise, but we were only supposed to have them for a couple of days and it turned into a lot of years. And unfortunately wow. we were able to provide them with a forever home, but that was a weird day. I think I was home with my sick daughter at the mm -hmm. time. So, and we were kind of new in our relationship. So no, it was completely unplanned. So at the time you're both working for Sheriff's Department Right. Uh, you have a biological daughter at home, and then this call comes through. Yes. So a few days turns to forever. Mm -hmm. um, so they came to you in 2009. And what was the date that you gave me in 2012, Gina? What they, happened? Was that when the adoption was finalized? Yes, in July of 2012. Okay. So then we meet December 2014. Yeah. <laughs> so you were ready <laughs> to dive right back in. Tell me about like what that what that's like. What were you going through in your home at that at that time with two um, children adopted, kind of you know gaining your feet and then meeting us in 2014? What made you take that call or show up at that event? Cameron, our eldest, wanted a little brother, and he was surrounded by women in the house. And it, we had had a couple of years of, you know, having three kids in the home. And at that point, um, you know, we'd been together eight years, I think. <laughs> and so, you know, I think we felt a little bit more established. And uh, one night I was just kind of thumbing through Facebook and saw an ad for a Raise a Child event in uh, one of the neighboring cities and we decided to go to it we showed up in the rain it was full down pouring that night that's oh. so to drive out from your home to rancho you came to claremont um what was your hope at that point 
were you thinking little brother for Cameron regardless of age or were you thinking baby what was your inclination at that point you know we were kind of all over the place um I myself wanted something little you know a little baby you could hold in your arms and cuddle with um Dana's not really that crazy about babies because they don't do anything um <laughs> except cry um so she was looking for something a little you know a, um a child a little bit older um but i don't really i don't know i think we were just going to get some information to, and to see how that would play out um for our family so you're working at the sheriff's department tell me a little bit more yes uh we both work for the sheriff's department at the time both of us had had assignments in our child abuse division within the department and really had seen the need um, for foster children in, in the system to have loving, nurturing homes, whether it be respite care or you know, a short amount of time or until they reunified, or in our case, we wanted to do adoption. So that's what led us to, um, that's what called us to this raise a child event because they were they were looking for homes for children that were in the foster system. So all of that put together brought us to that particular event. And and I want to say it's probably one of the best events that has happened. And we met so many people there and including you, Yvonne, and it just really spoke to us and started us on our journey the second time around. Yeah. So wow. you were living it and you were working it. Like it was on all ends. Yes. The child abuse. Adam, you were going to say something? No, I just, it just sounded like a fantastic event. I was just curious, is this, is this one of the ways that you reach out to people or is this a main way that you get people connected? I, I, I hadn't heard of the events before. It sounds really cool. Yeah, so Raise a Child, we work um, with them. So we have a collaboration with Raise a Child. Oh, okay. They, they uh, have events in the community where, they, where they're speaking to people who are potentially interested in fostering and adopting. Um, and so this particular event was just for us. So it was no other agencies invited except for Five Acres. And we met amazing families at that event. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the... Uh, cohort that came through with uh, Dina, with Gina and Dana. Uh, I always do that. I mix their names to like one. (laughs) So so a lot of the people that came through in that particular cohort, they actually remain friends today. They, you know, went through multiple uh, events, like developments around the same times, right? So Mm -hmm. um, adoptions happen around the same time, et cetera, with those other groups. It just sounds really supportive. Yeah, you know what they have, Adam? They have this, um, they have this little side WTF (laughs) text group, (laughs) a little text group. (laughs) So when they need support, it's uh, just reach out to each other and have, you know, um, what do you call it? You, what do you guys have? The uh, happy hours and good things and bad things where Mm -hmm. we can just kind of go on this little thread and just let it all out without anybody uh yeah with people without judgment mm-hmm. and so it's really nice it's it's a nice uh, comforting spot to to land when you are having a a troubled day yeah that's great sometimes yeah. those acronyms can be really confusing but i feel like that one i know exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on it, it means exactly what you think it means. <laughs> 100% 
So that year when you first came through uh, back in, you know, you we met in, in the winter of 2014, you started training in January of 2015. That was a difficult year for you. Um, I know specifically for Gina, that was a difficult year with the passing of your mom. And still there was commitment to continue and to, to do this. So it's just amazing that you guys managed to do that in such a tough year. Um, so tell me what it was like now getting that first, that first call. Yeah. So um, I actually had the pleasure of getting the first call and I did the opposite of what you advise us to do, which is just say yes without getting any answers. <laughs> so I got a call that said, um, you know, we have this little two year old boy and before she could even finish, I said yes. Um, and we got the call, I, I believe it was on a Tuesday afternoon. She said it would be a couple of days of transition and that we would have him by Friday. And those were some really, I mean, glorious few days. I, we had, uh, I was part of the PTA at one of our, uh, at our kids' elementary schools. The, I'm not even sure how they did it, but Thursday, they threw us a baby shower mm -hmm. and presents and we, we just had everything we could ever dream of needing before he even walked into our house. So that was pretty amazing. And uh, we've had him ever since. Wow, so that's a huge community that you guys have. Um, so now, one thing that's unique about your story is that you have accessed multiple parts of so you've actually, you've accessed multiple services. So you've not only done the foster care, you've accessed intensive services, foster care, respite service, and APSS, which is adoption promotion and support services within this division. Um, so I wanna, before we go on to, you know, to tell me about ACE's journey, you had the opportunity at one point to also um, to do respite and to take in a placement of a baby that you were hoping because your first placement one was actually not a baby it was a two-year-old that you said yes to right at the time. um so tell me a little bit because what's what i enjoy about your story and what is so beautiful is the relationships that you guys have continued to have with biological family for that little one that you took care of but it didn't start there it started with your respite that kind of had you go through that journey so tell me about saying yes to respite well Maybe talk about what is respite. Tell me about what is respite from your perspective. Well, for 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 us, it was just um, an emergency placement where mm -hmm. this um, particular little baby needed a place to stay for about a week until her foster family could move into a new home to make room for her. Um, they previously had had her um, for a little while, and then she and her sister um, that. Both siblings were reunited with their parents and then subsequently taken away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we we had her for a week. We called her Baby Jay, and um, cute, cute, cutest little thing. <laughs> so much hair, <laughs> so much hair, and and she really did steal our hearts. Um, just in that week, it was it was beautiful to have this little baby, and you know, watching the kids and and just kind of fawn over her and and um a little nerve-wracking but you know we knew oh it's only a week so you know no big deal uh, we can do this <laughs> and you uh, <laughs> go camp your first weekend with her 
Yes, yes, it was it was right before Christmas, and we had um, oh, right. yeah, we ha- <clears throat> had plans to go camping. So she got to go camping with us down in San Diego and meet Santa and meet Santa, and yeah, it was pretty awesome. <clears throat> so that gave you baby fever, I'm imagining. Oh, she always has baby. Fever. Yeah. And yeah, there's something about like not downplaying this this particular respite experience because you really did help a family um, put siblings together. So yes, this family yes. needed to move into a bigger place, but while they were moving, they needed a home for baby. So you're willing to kind of extend your home to the community to you know to help them kind of bridge that so that they can put all siblings together. Ace had biological siblings and become accustomed to and wanted to have him have continued relationship with those biological siblings. So to find out that there was a family that wanted to take in a sibling but needed some help making that happen, and and we had the space to be able to help, we wanted to do that. And we saw how important it was for Cameron and Jasmine to stay together and and what their relationship was and their shared experiences to help them get through everything that that they had to go through during the time that they were removed from their biological parents so it was important to us to to be able to assist in that in some way yeah that's so beautiful because that's uh being able to stay focused not only on what your goal is for your family but the bigger picture I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. So I, I thank you guys so much for that. And now let's talk about then Ace. So you brought in Ace at two years old. Talk about his family. Talk about the baby that came in. His sibling actually joined you for a little while. Let's let's dive into that story. Well, I, I remember her <clears throat> calling me and telling me that, hey, they called and, and we're getting a two-year-old. And again, she didn't ask any questions. So when I was asking her the question, she didn't have any answers. Just, I don't know, he's coming, here's a picture. So um, we, didn't, we didn't know that he had siblings. We didn't know his story. We just knew that he was a two-year-old that, that wasn't fitting in the home that he was in. So what day did you say he came on a Thursday? Friday. Friday. So of course, I stayed home from work and we waited all afternoon for this little guy to come and and it happened and they I just remember looking out the window and the social worker was getting him out of the car and, and walking down the driveway with him and he was so little and and I, he didn't know what was happening. He went to sleep in one foster home and woke up and he was getting walked into another foster home. Wow. And it was just like, what do you say? Here came his little trash bag and um, he had some clothes in there that were a size or two small and a few toys. But fortunately, we had a couple days to prepare. So we had toys ready for him. And, and he came to the home and I just remember he just looked around. He didn't say anything. He didn't cry. He just, he was just taking everything in. And we were asking the social worker a lot of questions. And that's when we learned that he had other siblings and had been in a number of homes. I think we were his seventh, sixth or seventh home at that age, at that young age. And that he was the youngest of nine. Um, At the time, his father was in prison for domestic violence. Uh, There was just so many things that he had already been exposed to at at that age. 
I just I just remember looking at him going, well, he's never leaving this home. <laughs> this, mm. this, this is going to be his place. And and he eventually, I mean, he fit in pretty quickly. Oh yeah. Um, that he so he came to us in April, and by November, he had a younger brother who had been born. And at the time, we we didn't think that we were prepared or ready for another baby because hmm. we, we had a lot going on. I'll let you tell that part of the story. <laughs> so before you do, uh, Gina. It's interesting that uh, you said, Dana, that as soon as you saw him, you thought, well, he's not leaving this home. He's you know, going to stay. And you are also the same person, the same breath. You can easily say, oh, I don't even like children. That <laughs> 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 you come into this process, you know, you've opened your doors, you're committed, and you're 100% like D-mama is what the kids uh, call you. Um, and you also proclaim to, you know, not like children. So it's, it's funny to me, obviously, because I know your heart, but it does kind of speak to the fact that that all you need is kind of the heart for the service. And that in itself is going to is going to drive people or get people to achieve some fantastic things um, like you have. Mm -hmm. And so so one of the things, Adam, that that I have heard is a little video not a video. Uh, audio recording of Ace singing in the shower, how much he loves D-Mama. <laughs> the same one who, who claims not to love children gets her own like serenade in the shower. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, how much there are two peas in the pod. There, that's his, that's his, she is his person for sure. Well, and I would have, I would have never guessed that that was going to happen. I mean, he really did have my heart within a couple of hours. Um, and and I'm not I've never been that person that wanted a big family. I've never been the big baby or kid person. I like them a little more in the abstract, I think, than in the concrete. <laughs> but um, I, I, it, I learned very quickly what how how having a, a loving, nurturing space can can really change their trajectory. And and he chose me as his person and. I probably get more out of that relationship than he does. Yeah, and then especially when you hear their story, when you start hearing the, their backgrounds and that they have been bounced around, that just pulls at the heartstrings. So, you, I mean, you can be surprised at how, even with the difficulties, you know, how much you love them and how much you get out of it. Man, I just hear so many twists and turns, so many unexpected <laughs> things happening. But the, the big theme that seems to be emerging for me is is what you were saying, Yvonne, is just being able to have that open heart. That's the strength. That's what gets you through. That's what sees you through. And that's what turns this unexpected stuff into this. It sounds magical. It sounds really, really cool. Well, and, and I hear people all the time say they they worry about us. Um, and that they don't think that they could do this because it would hurt their heart. And we have been through that. We have had losses during this journey. But you really need to see past that. And if you don't open your heart to something like that, you're really missing out. And and it's the children that actually really miss out. Mm. It, it, I guess it takes some, some courage and bravery and some willingness to be hurt. But we... We survived that and, and, and are okay with knowing that what we gave to those children that we didn't get to keep with us, mm. hopefully is going to 
to help them throughout their entire lifetime. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. There's something pretty symbolic about the took the plunge that's that's right behind you. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> you sure did take the plunge. So at this point, you have your biological daughter, Dana, um, Cameron and Jasmine. You have Ace with you, and then you call, get a call for Ace's sibling. So full house, What what's the decision at that point? Uh, when, when he was first born, we declined because uh, we were already seeing some uh, behaviors from Ace that we were um, trying to deal with that we hadn't had from some of the other kids. Hmm. So initially it was no. And then we did the week-long respite with the baby because it was just a week. And um, then we got the call again. And it was from some friends that from our from Five Acres that he had the baby in their custody, and they they too felt the need to put the baby to put Ace and the baby together, and they saw how we felt about having uh, baby Jay for the week, and so Dana and I discussed it, and uh, for I think about maybe an hour or so. <laughs> And we decided to, to take, um, yeah, so we, we decided to take Benji on and really uh, one of the best things we've ever done, I think. Just really, it was it was a great experience. Heartbreaking, but a great experience. So heartbreaking because ultimately he did reunify, but yes. there's also beauty in that, in that breaking because you did maintain a relationship with, you do maintain a relationship with him his siblings and biological father who you support. Yes. Tell us, tell us about that. So we, we saw this gentleman, um, Benji's dad, and um, the initial reports of him weren't very um, favorable. And then I started, you know, taking Benji to visit his dad at DCFS and dad would just light up when he saw him and, and, the way he was with him, you could just tell there was some genuine love and, and affection for his son. And you, you could see how hard he would work during those visits to, to learn. I mean, he didn't know how to take care of a baby at all, but. Which was in sharp contrast, Benji's dad putting forth effort and walking to DCFS because he didn't have a car and never being late. And the genuine, like you said, love and affection for his child so we ended up um even though we knew it was going to hurt us we kind of ended up being um well, champions of his yeah. i mean really we were we were on his side and i think that that's the best for for that situation yeah i love this baby and i want this baby to be ours forever but then you see that here's a dad of all things a dad I mean, that's kind of not the norm here's a dad fighting for his kid and you know if there was something that we could do to help that dad we were certainly going to do it because that's the right thing to do um so you know when when it was time for um eight months later eight months later when it was time for them to reunify you know it was extremely difficult but not a dry eye in the house you know uh but we helped him you know what what we had of the babies we gave to dad and he was appreciative and it just 
he continued to, you know, he sends us pictures of him. We see him every so often. And it's, that's what this is about. You know, we, we talk so much about adoption and, and filling our needs, but it's also about what those families' needs are as well. Like, that's the best place for the baby to be. If, if the baby can be safe with, with a biological family, that's, that's our job to make sure that, that, that we help that along. Yeah, you know, over those eight months, we, we were the monitors for the visit between Benji and his father, which could be a contentious relationship, but, um, we, we both kind of went into it open and he saw that we had a, a genuine love and interest for his son and that we were also on his side and champion um, to tear down that relationship for our own needs. So I, I think that that just is what created that situation where we could maintain uh, contact and friendship after the reunification and we still spend birthdays together and Christmas and we've had him over to the house and he knows that he can call us um, if he does need respite care. We've done respite care for him or if he needs some help move into another location and, and we're always open to that. That's, that's so beautiful. I know you also had um, the extended um, siblings together as well. So mm -hmm. in terms of Ace and Benji who are related, there's other siblings within that group that you welcome to your house from time to time. And just like that, what gets me about your story is that your community, you purposely make it large, right? So it's not just who comes into your home and the fact that you are a large family, but you make sure to connect with other foster parents and in some cases, sight and seeing. So Adam, one of the things that, that uh, Gina and Dana have done, they hosted a barbecue at their house, sight mm -hmm. and seeing, because uh, another foster parent said, hey guys, I have four kids in my home, I need support. And they just extended this invitation to like, hey, everybody come and show up at our house. And I think, what was it, like 12 families that ended up showing up? There was a lot of people here. There's a lot more kids than, than adults, that's for sure. <laughs> You're outnumbered. The outnumbered is probably the norm for you guys at this point. All the time. Mm -hmm. So, but, yeah, we, I just, it, that wasn't ever the plan. These are things that just happen as we go. But we have learned, I mean, it really is true that it takes a village to, to raise a child. And we, I'm fortunate to have extended family. Um, but in addition to that, like Gina said, in the beginning, it was the PTA at school. And, and then um, we've maintained contact with people uh, and the founder of Raise a Child and the people that we went through the, the training with at Five Acres and other families. And, it, and they've just proven to be such a good support system. Yeah. And we're here for each other and we can do respite for for each other or lean on them or the other day someone sent out a message hey does anybody have a truck to help us move and we were trying to find trucks uh, um, today i read uh, on one of our facebook posts that someone's son broke their wrist well my kid broke his wrist last week so we talked a little bit about casts and what to do about the itchiness 
So and just that support system has for us, and maybe other people's story is different, but for us, that support system has been invaluable. Oh yeah, we couldn't do it without all the different people, and you know, so at this point now, another change happened. So in the middle of the night, sometime a few years ago, you get another call. (laughs) Tell me about that. Another plot twist. Oh, wow. Okay. It doesn't end. We're going to take a quick break in this permanency episode with Gina and Dana to talk about the Five Acres Hope Line. Five Acres is here for children and families in need. If you or a loved one are seeking help for mental health issues such as depression, hopelessness, anxiety, or behavior problems, we're here for you. You can start by calling or texting our Hope Line at 1 800 696 6793. Or sending us an email to hope at fiveacres.org. And while our Hope Line isn't a 24 7 crisis line, Five Acres staff will reply within one business day to all text calls or emails. And that's 1 800 696 6793 or email at hope at fiveacres.org. And that's hope at the number fiveacres.org. And if you would like any information on foster or adoption services, please check out our website at fiveacres.org. Now, back to the episode. Our family likes to go camping. It's kind of our thing. So luckily, we weren't camping very, too far from here. We were camping in uh, San Divas or yeah. Yeah, Puddingstone. Puddingstone. And um, we get a call from my brother who... Um, had had another kid and he was five at the time and with some special needs and my brother struggles with drug addiction and mm-hmm. so does his wife and they were just losing their battle and couldn't take care of of uh, little Paul anymore so they decided that the best decision was to to go ahead and kind of sign him over to DCFS that was a hard decision because at the time Cameron and Jasmine didn't know they had a biological brother. And so we were faced in, in the middle of the night faced with what do we do? We, we already have five kids in the home. Um, This is our kids, biological brother. They don't know about him um, because of various reasons. We had a baby. We had a baby. We were leaving for Missouri um, the very next week, leaving out of state. And we knew that this was in July. We knew that in just a few weeks, we would be experiencing most likely the loss of the baby going Mm. back to dad. So there was a lot happening. And we had a few hours to make a decision on on whether we would take Paul in or not. Uh, So we took the plunge. So we took the plunge. Yeah, we we sat the kids down, um, explained to them that kind of that feeling they had in the back of their head that they had a a younger sibling was true. That the reason why we had kept it from them for all those years was, you know, was A, B, and C. And we had an opportunity to take this, this, uh, this boy in and and did they want to, and none of them said no. (laughs) I mean, it was, they were like, yes, let's go, let's go home right now. So we did. Wow. 
we left uh, we left our camper, our, our trailer, where it was parked, and we came home. And with the help of Five Acres and uh, this, our social workers and just numerous calls, because it was a different county. It was a different county. It was San Bernardino County where we live. That was going to place um, Paul in our home, but we had an LA County kid. There was some there were some issues there. Um, legal wise and, and I don't really know exactly what they were but I know that there was going to be some issues so luckily um, we got some help from five acres and you guys really did a great job of navigating through that and getting us settled and uh, Paul arrived at our house about two o'clock in the morning um, again Sleeping. again asleep mm-hmm. um, luckily he got carried in by the social worker and he had one sandal on it was was filthy and the poor kid woke up here, and that was, well, what year was that? 2017. And uh, he's been here ever since. We adopted him about a year later, and he's just ours. So, yeah, there's a lot of plot twists. A lot of, <laughs> lot of, <laughs> there's, no, there's no easy way for us to do anything in this house, that's for sure. <laughs> And he's made a lot of improvement since he's come to your home. Tell oh, my goodness. One sandal came with nothing yeah. a lot of a lot of um behaviors consistent with autism that yeah. we weren't familiar with so it, it, there's another instance where we had really had to reach out to five acres and and the various groups there to help us deal with that and get him into school and get an IEP and speech and regional uh, center for occupational therapy and and all of those things. So there's two different instances where we've really had to rely on our agency to to get us the support that we need to benefit the children and and help with their education and their behaviors and therapies. Tell me how how he's doing now. Oh my gosh. You know, um, he's definitely developmentally delayed uh, as far as he's in third grade, but probably more along the lines of a kindergartner, first grader mentality wise, but man, that kid loves school. Yeah. He doesn't stop talking. (laughs) And uh, just, he's reading, he's just a charismatic little guy. I mean, he loves to sing. He loves to dance. He will watch a movie and then recite that movie, like scenes from it over and over and over again. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, yeah. Coco was a big one for us for a long time. Um, but yeah, so one great thing for him that just happened is because he's in special education, our district uh, just last week allowed the special students with um, in special education to go back to um, campus learning. So he got to go back Wednesday on campus last week. And uh, I got so many different messages from the different people on campus saying how happy he was. And just what a joy it was to have him there because even though he had a mask, they could just tell he was just grinning from ear to ear to be there. So <laughs> it's kind of cool. So, I mean, we can keep throwing um, <laughs> yeah, different twists and turns at Adam the whole night through with all the stories that you guys have. Oh, yeah. I do want to know that this is a question I don't ask you very much, but I do want to know about your experience with APSS. So APSS, Adoption Promotion Support Services, is intended to help families throughout their adoption journey. 
I think sometimes for people who have navigated foster care, it is something that they are not really ready to take on kind of an extra service because they want to be done with us for a little while. (laughs) Um, There's so many benefits, right? So just from an outside perspective, being able to kind of manage the experience of building a family and a family that, you know, basically crumbled, right? So you're kind of holding to at the same time the loss of one family and the gain of an adoptive family. Um, So that's definitely one of the benefits, but you guys are in it. So you're in the groups, you're part of that process. Tell me a little bit about your experience with APSS. Well, I think it's been a great experience and I apologize for missing the last meeting, but uh, you know, the Dodgers were just winning the World Series at that point. So I couldn't tear myself away. But um, I think APSS has been great for us, you know, a lot of times we have this misguided thought that well, once the kids are adopted and they know they're loved, they're, they're okay now. And, mm. and that's certainly not the case because, and we're not okay now either because you, you are, they are dealing with the, still the loss of who they were prior to coming into your home and who they are now and then who they are going to be in the future and how they're going to navigate all of that. And, that's something that I'll be honest, I didn't really think of too much with Cameron and Jasmine. It just seemed really like, oh, they're fine, they're fine. And as they've gotten a little bit older, we're we're noticing these things come up for him. They're they're 16 and 12 now, and we're noticing these issues about adoption and about their identities and and that have come up. And that's where their APSS counselors and therapists have really come in handy. Because those people have experience, personal experience with that and can help them, you know, guide them through what they're feeling and, and going through. It's an it's an opportunity for them to have people to talk to other than us. Because I think sometimes they're afraid to talk to us that they might hurt our feelings. Talking about missing their biological parents or, um, you know, having Paul come into the house was kind of brought up some painful things, especially for Cameron. Um, Paul has his dad's name. So this this was an opportunity for them to have therapists and people there for them that didn't necessarily have to be us or their aunts and uncles and, and people that are trained in this. And when we first adopted Cameron and Jasmine, we we didn't have an agency. We did it just through DCFS. And I just remember that being a really kind of lonely feeling. We didn't, we had a social worker that popped in once or twice a month, but we didn't know that there was support out there. There there were things that we didn't know about and you don't know what you don't know. So it was, it was through our relationship with Five Acres for ACE that we learned about all these other services that were available for our children that had already been adopted for years. And that has been a, a great help for us and, and for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, there, we have, <clears throat> get closer oh, yeah. too. we have therapists in the house almost every day at this point. And, you know, it, it is a little awkward at first that you, you kind of alluded to that where you're like, well, once once you're done with fostering, you kind of don't want people in your home anymore because you've had so many people and so, so much paperwork and all of this. But um, we've really 
kind of have the opposite for us because we just embraced all of our service providers because we couldn't do it without them. I mean, you know, there are days, especially with our young, uh, with ACE, where we need them here. We need them here for him. We need them here for us. And, you know, same thing with our eldest, you know, he's 16. 16 is a really rough age. Um, And neither one of us have been 16 year old boys. So we don't, we don't have that point of view to help him, you know, and his therapists and the rehab specialists that work, that works with him kind of really help shed light on a lot of things for us. I'm just thinking a million things as you're, as you're sharing. So you caught me off guard. The story was over and you got me like, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) So one of the things I was thinking is when you were talking about the APSS component is that one thing that I can guarantee families when they go through this process, especially when they're ultimately hoping to adopt through this process, right? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to adoption, obviously, or foster care, um, the first goal is to reunify with biological family. It isn't always possible. In those cases, then we move toward adoption or the case tends to go in that direction because we want kids to achieve permanency. If it's not with their biological family, then with adoptive homes. So when people come in with this perspective, there's a little bit of massaging that I have to do in order to get them to understand the role of foster care, the goal of foster care, and that if they're looking to expand their family, foster care is going to exponentially grow your family in ways that you hadn't imagined, right? Mm. With uh, this experience of biological families in this community and, and, you know, there's just so much that grows from this process. It's just a matter of, of um, changing perspective or that initial kind of goal that, that people have. The other thing that I wanted to speak to is, you know, we, we have mentioned a couple of times um, ACEs needs So one of the other programs that you guys have been involved in or are involved in is intensive services foster care. Hmm. So this program was put into place to help children with higher needs. The needs that the needs are essentially going to be stemming from, you know, significant trauma. He came to you at the age of two, had moved multiple times and, you know, had experienced significant trauma. So in managing and help, helping him kind of meet his needs, you're involved in this program, which is intended to help kids with higher needs stabilize. So that means that you have a social worker, a therapist, um, a rehab specialist in your home, uh, just a team of people there to help you. I'm so glad just to hear, you know, based on your perspective that you welcome these people in, because that really is kind of the what make it or break it things of like, you know, are people resistant to to the services? Are they welcoming it? Because if you're welcoming it, then you're willing to try it, you're willing to work for it, etc. And obviously, based on everything that you've said so far, it's clear that you guys are willing to work for it because of your relationship with ACE, because of your commitment to ACE, and because of your commitment to a family as a whole. Um, what can you tell me about that program? So we'll keep it brief because there's still some stuff kind of happening you know with with ace and and his process but what can you tell me about what your experience has been with helping him kind of manage those um needs and your experience with with the program altogether well so it's not an easy program to be a part of i can tell you that um because 
it is so I can't think of the word right now, but there's there's so much to it. You know, you do you have the therapist that comes once or twice a week. You have the rehab specialist that comes once or twice a week. Then you have the social worker that comes once a week. And in the beginning, it can feel a little overwhelming that all of these people are trying to help you. And, you know, for us, we're like, we've had kids. We're fine. Yeah. We, we can do this. <laughs> we've got this. What? Which and is then, really common, right? Everybody yeah. says some of our kids have um, ADHD. Some have reactive attachment do- disorder. We have oppositional defiance disorder. Um, th- these are things that I wasn't prepared or, or trained to deal with, but I need to know how to deal with them to benefit my child. And that's the ultimate goal. So yes, it's time intensive. And at first, like she said, it was overwhelming, but now we're to the point, like, are you guys going to be here yet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> starting and he's saying no. So, um, so it's, it's been super helpful. You just have to be open for it. And and I just like to share that I had back surgery last year. So I was in the hospital and I couldn't help. And they were here to, at the time they were still in school. So they drove him to and from school. They were here to help with the other kids. They were here to help Gina manage the day-to-day stuff. Not, not just the behaviors, but whatever the whole family needed at the time. And that that really eased some of my fears and my guilt for, for having surgery and not being able to be here for Gina. And, I, and I'm assuming that it really helped you oh, yeah. and, and the kids. Um, so all you have to do is ask. Right. If it's something that they can provide and get together to, to provide or brainstorm different issues, that's what they're here for. I am, I'm stubborn. I'm not gonna. And a control freak. And a control freak. So for me, having having people in the home and having um this kid who just doesn't listen to me i mean wow how is this even possible you know i'm i'm a i'm a good parent i'm a the child whisperer she's the one that doesn't like kids and we're big bad cops and we're big bad cops listen to us how do you not listen to us and uh he doesn't or he didn't um and so it was it was a big transition to to have you know, these service providers in the house and, and here all the time. And, and I kind of remember when I turned the corner of that, when it's like, no, they're just part of our family now. I mean, you know, it's like your mother-in-law's coming to the house, you know, so you want to make sure everything looks just perfect. And then there becomes a point where your mother-in-law moves in and, and you're just like, it is what it is. So, you know, sometimes they come and I'm, my hair's done and I'm, you know, got nice clothes on and sometimes they come and I've got my baseball cap on backwards and my hoodie and my pajama shorts on. They don't even think twice about that anymore. They're just like, Hey, how's it going? You know? (laughs) And that has really been the refreshing part of it for me that um, just allowing, putting, putting my own guard down and realizing that once I put my guard down, it's going to help our family, you know, um, better and and the amount of advice and books and sessions with them has been really helpful for not only our relationship with ace but our relationship with our other kids and and our our own personal relationship um because it's you know it can be trying on a 
relationship to have so many different moving parts in the house, so many different personalities. And, um, you know, we get along really well, but we don't always agree on everything. You guys make it look easy, even in midst of sharing all this that sounds really overwhelming and difficult. You make it look easy because the will to make it work is there. What would you say to somebody who's listening to this and listening to it, maybe with the filter of, I hear only difficult parts. What would you say to people who think that maybe they can't do it? Oh, you know, there are wonderful, wonderful parts to it. We um, went camping again. I told you it's kind of our jam (laughs) and (laughs) last weekend and it was raining and all weekend it rained. And we thought, man, these kids are going to have said they had a horrible time. And every single one of them said it was the best camping trip. They had so much fun. Mm. And those are the moments where, you know, the fit he threw doesn't matter. The, you know, breaking curfew doesn't matter. All of the different little things that that can be the negative, so to speak, with kids. You know, it just takes that one smile. It just takes that one moment where they run past you and tap you on the leg and say, I love you. And then they run off where those those types of moments kind of reaffirm the day-to-day grind of everything and it's the same thing that you deal with in your relationship with your spouse it's not always honky-dory you would like it to be but it's not always um but there's those moments where you know those quiet moments that you realize the blessings that you do have well and you get to celebrate their wins with them he's never going to be able to do anything for himself and he learned to ride a bicycle and he read a book to us and ace he's having some difficulties in school but he he hit his goal for sight words and that was a big deal for him because he got to hear his name on proud board and then i can have a horrible day and at, at every night i put the boys down and last night i was putting them down and ace just out of the blue said to me D mama, you're the best mama. And I was like, well, well, why buddy? What makes me the best mama? And he said, because you cook for us. (laughs) And I mean, so there, I mean, there was a positive. I made chili and I didn't think they'd like it because half the time they don't like what I make, but it's just, it's those little things and you don't know when they're coming, but when you can celebrate those wins and then when you know, that they do feel safe, that, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, definitely. And raising kids, biological or not, is not easy. It's it, it's a hard job. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. So, you know, some people think, well, no, I just have biological children because I don't have to deal with issues. But then I'll ask, Gina, what were you like as a child, Gina? <laughs> An angel. No. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was less than pleasant. Having a kind of a pity party type thing and um, just basically talked to her up in heaven and said, I'm so sorry how I treated you when I was a kid. And it was it was a heartfelt sorry, too, because I'm kind of I'm getting it, you know, and I'm sure she's up there giggling at me right now. So, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of that human experience, right? They were helping other humans navigate times when there's upheaval in their lives, when they're learning to manage and make sense of their experiences, and you're catching that all early. You know, we can easily run across these people in our daily lives when they cut you off or when they curse you out in public or whatever, just random people as you imagine throughout life that 
haven't had anybody to kind of help them manage their story and to make sense of their experiences. And you guys are doing it every single day. Your your rubber is meeting the road for sure. <laughs> you guys are making skids as you're doing it. We're leaving skid marks. Yeah. Um, like you said, them learning to navigate life. Um, our, our teenagers have jobs now. And we're, we're working through how to manage your money. Cameron just paid his first bill for, for the motorcycle that we helped him buy. And I can tell that even though I feel like I'm just talking to the wall sometimes, I can tell that they hear us because every so often they say it back to us. Um, and Or we hear, we hear them reiterating it. To them. Right. And, and they've turned out to be, you know, stewards for the environment. We talk about things like recycling and, and, and when we go camping, you leave it better than you found it. And that's what we hear them saying. And um, they, now they're the ones walking around talking to people about adoption and fostering. And we hear their friends saying, you know, that's really neat. I'd like to foster. And, and we rescue animals too. So, you know, it's just, it's, it, you're That's really right. Yeah. Adam, uh, Dana wants a zoo on top of what she has right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. She would have every single animal in the zoo if she could. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I, I need a goat in pajamas. Yeah. That's what I need next. Because we have horses, dogs, cats. Whoa. And, but so, I mean, that's really leaving the legacy behind. And it's not, I mean, that's not how we started, but that's just where this journey is taking us. So what would you, what's your, if you had to give uh, like a final piece of advice, what would it be? Take the plunge. <laughs> <laughs> that, that turned out to be so funny. Oh, that, really? that, was our, that was our motto for our wedding. We were supposed to jump in the lake. But um, really, if you have interest, uh, really look into it. Um, I wouldn't do it again without an agency, um, just because I've done, I've, I've done it both ways, but really will get so much out of it um, what do you have to say yeah i mean just kind of that same thing just you won't regret doing it years down the road you didn't do it and it's too kind of too late you know it's it's better to have, have done it and tried it and if it doesn't work for you then it doesn't work for you and that's okay too but but what if what if you do it and it's the best thing you've ever done in your entire life i i just and that's you know and what's more important in life than changing a child's life? And that's and, the, that's it sounds the like it changes your life too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like she said, we're not going to lie and say it's all hunky dory, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't want it the other way. It's made me grow as a person. It's made our relationship grow. Um, well, and our family too. Yeah, it's benefited our, our whole family. The, the kids are really close to, um, you know, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, and the, and the cousins that they got out of it, and the other uh, there's just there's just so many things that it brings to you that you really don't know that it would unless you jumped in and and did it. So Dana, you got through this without crying. Oh, I almost did though. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, as soon as I as soon as <laughs> I you never talking, do. I never do. Gina's the squeaker. Dana, yeah. you know, and then we can get her to, to tear up a little bit. It's always that part where he comes walking down the driveway because I'll never forget it. And I knew right then that was, 
I hadn't even, I haven't even talked to him yet. He wasn't even front door, and I committed then yeah. because I just couldn't let him have to make that walk another time. Uh-oh. Well, I gotta stop. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, gotta stop. <laughs> I saw it. We got bubbling right there. <laughs> Thank you both. I appreciate you. You are phenomenal, and I hope that you take with you in that moment when you're feeling just like you know, wiped out and tired that we think uh, the world of you guys. No, right back at you. We wouldn't have been able to do it without you for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, I really appreciate it. This was an area as a clinical social worker, I mostly focus on mental health and I feel like I have learned a lot. And it seems like there is so much about just expanding, growing. And I feel, I feel like I'm growing as a result. Yeah, well, anytime you want to hear about the roller coaster, just let oh, yeah. us know. Because <laughs> <Sure. laughs> everybody something new. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and yes, that's part of the growth. keeps us on our toes. <laughs> what keeps us on our toes helps us to grow. I was exactly. going to say grows, but <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you both. Any more questions for you, Adam? No, I, you know, I just, I have so much here now to, to think about, but like I said, it just, it, the, the bravery, the bravery to face challenges head on, the bravery to be vulnerable, the gifts that you get, even when you are losing, how love is expanded. And it just seems like family and community grow in ways that people just aren't even aware of until you experience it. So I just really appreciate you encouraging people to embrace the experience. I mean, that just sounds so positive. Well, thank you. Hopefully because the world could use more people to foster and adopt for sure. That'll do it for us here at the five acres podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and concrete action steps for families struggling with issues related to adoption, residential care, and mental health. Thank you to all of you out there for joining us. And remember, you can find all the links and numbers we've spoken about today at our site's page and at fiveacres.org.